Welcome to The People's Show with Big Nazar and Randeep Janda. Hey, good afternoon. Later edition of the People Show, but we're here starting at two o'clock. Vic Nazar, Randy Janda, Dominic Shermati, and you, the people, here on the People Show. 650, 650 into our Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. The smart alternative. Visit Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. Randy Janda, what's going on? What's going on? Two to five today. A little bit different, but that same energy. And you know there's excitement as well. NFL season kicks off today, Bick. We are amped. We are ready to go. We had the uh, People Show Fantasy Football League draft yesterday as well. The people are ready to go as well. Happy to uh, report. uh, So you and I are on opposite sides of the league. Yeah. You're in one league. I'm in another. But happy to report. We couldn't have, you know, maybe we meet in that final matchup. Maybe. Potentially. But uh, happy to report that my side drafted a lot faster than your side. It's not about speed. It's about who does it well and how do you, do you have fun. We had a great time on our end. It was great. Good laughs. Uh, but again, our, our side was not hemming and hawing. We were confident in our each of our picks. There was no unease. I'm like, oh, should I pick? Should I do that? It was just boom, 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 boom. The people fired up to get after it. You took about 20 minutes less than we did. It's a long time. It's like a whole it's episode a of a deal. TV show. Watching the U.S. Open last night, it was going on. Good Great match. matchup. Good match. Sinner yeah. versus Alcaraz, which went till yeah. what? Almost 3 a.m. Eastern? I, I tapped out. I tapped out for the fourth. I, oh, like, I, I, I got to go to bed. Watched every point. That was unbelievable tennis. And doing the draft while I watched the beginning of that match. High drama in that match. Yep. Something on, on the sports calendar last night. Yeah, uh, before hockey comes around, yeah. and before football came around, there was a, a late night just... The best entertainment value. Not only was it like really high level tennis, it was also a look into the future, perhaps. Well, that's, right? I think that's what's exciting about it, right? Is I've always said, like, the reasons we love shows like uh, Canada's Got Talent, America's Got Talent, American Idol, and all that sort of stuff is we like seeing emergent talent. World Juniors. One of the reasons we get excited about it is emerging talent. You can watch quote unquote better hockey. Any time of the year. Just watch a regular season game. It's better hockey. But we, we, we're we always excited about seeing potential fulfilled. The next one. The next one is always so exciting. And tennis, like last night, that was a marquee moment to see these two very talented tennis players. Alcaraz has obviously probably taken a lot of headlines recently. Yep. Sinners had a good 14, 17 months. And... For them now on a, this type of stage, together as well, in a match, uh, was pretty phenomenal last night. Yeah, you add that to a 24-year-old Francis Tiafo, You add a 23-year-old Casper mm-hmm. Ruud, who's also still playing this tournament. It, an exciting time, and Carlos Alcaraz just has that star quality. If, and, you're, and, if you're looking for the next coming yeah. of Rafa Nadal in a different demeanor, like this guy plays it up more, just in terms of the character, the personality. Ooh, man, that was awesome to watch last night. And by the way, like, Tennis is kind of begging for this because there's this waning idea of like, okay, Rafa's out, Djokovic, some point, 
Rogers kind of basically at the end of it. Yep. What What is the next wave, right? And you saw a glimpse of it last night, and it was pretty exciting. Uh, we'll talk to Adnan Verk about that. He's been at the U.S. Open quite a bit this tournament. So we'll talk to him about a half hour. MLB rule changes, that sort of stuff as well. Larger bases, pitch clock, shift restrictions. That's right. It's all, it's all on the menu for Major League Baseball for the 23 season. We'll get into that with Adnan Verk. Uh, full, full, full show today. Nick Shook will join us at 3 o'clock. Uh, Randy, you tweeted uh, everyone to send you some questions for our 3.30 guest. WWE superstar Dolph Ziggler will join us. We gave tickets away to Saturday night's main event earlier on in the summer. This is like back in May and June when it was first announced. Uh, it's coming September 24th at Pacific Coliseum. So we got a chance to talk to Dolph Ziggler later on in the show at 3.30. Chris Faber at 4 o'clock and uh, excited at uh, in the 4.30 segment. We'll talk to Eddie Gregory. Fast Eddie Gregory, our boy. Right when we signed off yesterday, leaving the station, uh, news coming out. Eddie Gregory, the new voice, your Vancouver Giants. So happy. Congratulations to Eddie. Big a, congrats. Awesome dude. Great dude. We love having him here on the team at Sportsnet 650. But also, man's been grinding for the last decade and a half. Mm-hmm. This guy's been doing what he loves in the BCHL and working his way up. Congratulations to Eddie. I uh, look forward to having that conversation in the final hour of the show. All right. But you mentioned it. Kickoff to NFL season today. I'm excited, man. Bills, Rams, SoFi Stadium, Super Bowl champs. And yet, it is, uh, I feel like all the buzz about the other team, the Buffalo Bills, who didn't even make the AFC Championship. But it's all Bills all the time. It's Josh Allen being the number one, in the fantasy world anyways, but also like MVP hype. Mm -hmm. Josh Allen's getting a lot of it, right? You've got a team that offensively, we saw what they could do. Now you add Vaughn Miller to the mix on the defensive side of things. They, in a stacked AFC, in a stacked AFC, we're getting, it feels like a lot of the love. And which is tough because, as you mentioned, like there's a lot of praise to go around in that conference. No, you, we, the Bengals are one team, the Chiefs are another team. Go through the list. The Ravens are always in the discussion. I bet the Bengals are loving this. The they Chargers the, are probably like, hey, how about us? Or, but I imagine right? the Bengals are like, we went to the Super Bowl and you guys want to pay attention to a team that didn't even make the AFC championship. Hey, keep building that chip on your shoulder all yeah. over again. And I imagine you're right. Like the, the other teams, in the conference, are probably loving this. They're like, we're just as good. We can be just as good. On two fronts, the Bengals are one thing where I think a lot of people are just like, okay, yeah, do it again. Mm-hmm. Show me what you got. Like last year, it felt like it was a Cinderella story. Okay, that's motivation for that team. The biggest motivator might be for Kansas City, though, on two fronts. A, the team has kind of been slept on compared to the Bills. And B, the quarterback is going – he's being passed over in favor of Josh Allen right now. Is he not? If you're if you're talking about being motivated and you think you are the best at what you do and all that love is going towards Josh Allen, you know Patrick Mahomes is going to be ready. You know Patrick Mahomes is going to internally at the very least say, oh, they think he's the best guy? That's all right. Even without Tyreek Hill, I got these new guys. I'm going to make them relevant. I got Kelsey still. And yeah, O-line, pretty damn good. Defense, better. I think they're going to be the most motivated team in the NFL based on the fact that the Bills should be a good team. Not knocking them, but be careful. The KC Chiefs haven't fallen off. But there's a difference between having a good record and 
being kind of the power. Like I, I think the Bills will have the best record in the AFC, but that's also because of their schedule and of what happens. Like this is the beauty of the playoffs. You only play elite competition. You play the best of the bunch, and eventually you're going to play the biggest bully. And I kind of think the Chiefs are a bigger bully in that conference. I think the Chargers are equal to the Bills. I think the Ravens are equal to the Bills. That that conference, as you mentioned, a lot of hype in that conference. It's because, A, look at the quality of team, but also just look where the quarterbacks are in this. So we, we did our division winners the other day, and I felt kind of chalky about it. Yeah, we'll, we'll take the Bills. Yeah, we'll take the Colts. Yeah, we'll take the, the Buccaneers. Yeah. You know what it is? It's just you're, you're just grabbing the best quarterbacks in the division. And look at the AFC, the quarterbacks in that division. Mahomes, Carr, Herbert, Wilson. That's just one division, by the way. Lamar, Burrow, Ryan, Mac Jones, and Josh Allen as well. It is flush with quarterbacks. The two biggest question marks I have in the AFC are, for that reason, the quarterback situation. Indianapolis, I think they win that division. But Matt Ryan's still a question. Did he fall off? Or is he okay? I think he's I, okay. I'm I'm less concerned about Matt Ryan than I am more about like the the defensive changes they're making. Fair. Matt Ryan was like again. I did this exercise with you a couple of weeks ago. Yep. Atlanta won seven games, and no one remembers it because yeah. Matt Ryan was fairly phenomenal last year. And and that's why I think they win that division. So to me, that fall off is not there. The one team, and I obviously have a vested interest in this, whether they're a playoff team or not, is going to come down to Tua We're in Miami. Super Bowl. Miami Dolphins. Are they going to be singing that, or are they going to be singing it ironically? So, good. Yeah. so that really what it comes down to for that team to me, where it's like the playoff teams, you're right, in the AFC, every single one of those teams, you can say, yep, franchise quarterback, franchise quarterback. The one that I have in that group of playoff teams right now that I really doubt, or not doubt, question, and this is a question across the NFL, we're going to get into this with Nick Shook a little bit later on as well, is the Miami Dolphins. They have a skilled roster, they've added skill positions, does the quarterback step, step up? Does he launch himself into the conversation of being a part of the answer? That's the one AFC team I'm looking at further down the lineup, further down the standings to say, will they have it? Do they have their guy? I'm I'm so worried about Miami. So worried about you've Miami. Been, you've been hinting at that for the last couple of months here, Beck. Yeah. Weeks at least. Here's how the season opens, okay? Patriots, Ravens, Bills, Bengals. Here's how the season ends. 49ers, Chargers, Bills, Packers, Patriots, and Jets. You better make hay in that middle. Like, essentially, like, try to get a dub on the beginning and the end, but you better make hay in that middle. And it's tough, especially if they if they go 0-4 or 1-3. Yeah. They're playing from behind. The mentality of, like, oh, Tua, you know, you just, like, all that sort of stuff is going to build up. And do you slip against a Pittsburgh? Do you slip against a Detroit? Do you slip against a Cleveland? The middle of the schedule is one thing. Yeah. Week one is where it's at for me. Because you talk about those other three matchups coming up. Ravens, Bills, Bengals. Three of the best teams in the AFC. You better be able to deliver at least against the Patriots in week one. Set that tone early on. If you lose that, Vic, and you're the Miami Dolphins, you're in trouble. You're in serious trouble. There's going to be doubts towards the quarterback. There's going to be doubts mostly on Tua. Unless he launches 400 yards and throws 500 or you know five touchdowns and they end up losing, 
it's basically going to be a, is this guy good enough conversation starting in week one? You don't want that in a week one. So even if that middle of that schedule lightens up a little bit and you win some games, to your point, if you're behind the ball, especially against a divisional rival like the New England Patriots, who should be a third place team in that vision, should be. If you lose that one, you're in real trouble. So that's where I look at that team to say, being in the playoffs, I think they can, they're capable. They've got a, you know, a great secondary, a solid secondary. They've got an excellent piece of weapons now. You've got Teron Armstead protecting the quarterback, all pro. You've got Tyreek Hill. You've got depth at the running back position. But you got to make sure that you deliver in week one because it doesn't get easy after week one. We'll get more into the Rams-Bills tonight. Uh, we'll talk to Nick Shook coming up. Also, uh, I think some people may have seen uh, in the tweet uh, from Sportsnet 650. Uh, I, th- I think it was in there. Big six. Uh, or maybe not. Some people are texting me. Is there big six today? Uh, there is. I will have a pick mm. uh, on today's game. Okay, so the, the redemption season. Yeah. Well, when, when there's a Thursday pick, I'll do the one Thursday and I'll do the next five uh, tomorrow. But there will be a pick tonight uh, for tonight's game. We'll do that uh, a bit later uh, in the 3 o'clock segment. But we want to do some bold predictions. One bold prediction for this NFL season. Could it be a team, it could be a player, whatever you want. Randeep, one bold prediction for the NFL season. All right, and what makes it bold is that, hey, you're going out on a limb here. You're saying something that you believe in, but at the same time, it's a it's a bit of a reach. And last year... What Wait, did, does it have to be positive or can it be a negative it one? It can be negative. All right. It can be negative. Might have to flip mine then. So last year, <laughs> Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup were the best quarterback wide receiver tandem. They were the deal. They were, if you had them in fantasy, you were winning leagues. My number one quarterback to wide receiver duo this year is not going to be that Rams duo. Is not going to be... Gino and DK? No. Oh, okay. No, good luck with that one. Maybe Noah Fant. (laughs) It's going to be, in Vegas, Derek Carr, Devontae Adams. Oh, nice. Devontae Adams is in the conversation for one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. We know that. Derek Carr has never been in that conversation as the best quarterback. But what can Devontae Adams do? He can elevate. He can elevate what Derek Carr is able to do. They have chemistry going back a decade. This is an elite wide receiver. And as we saw last year, like Matt Stafford, very good quarterback. Excellent quarterback. But he's not going to be in the conversation of a top three passer in the league. He's not. But when you get a wide receiver that can get open, that can beat double coverage, you all of a sudden are able to elevate that quarterback as long as they have chemistry. And I think that's what's going to happen here. Well, there's built-in chemistry going back to college between these guys, too. Of course. So that's why Devontae Adams has that that respect across the NFL. I think he elevates Derek Carr this year, and that is going to be the number one quarterback-wide receiver combo. So I'll give you two, because I think a lot of people have heard my number one bold prediction. Justin Herbert's the guy this year. Yep. I've... I've said if, if I was starting a franchise, I know Patty Mahomes exists. If I was starting a franchise, Justin Herbert's my pick. And this coronation of Josh Allen to me is going to get usurped by this loving for Justin Herbert this year. All right. Along with, like, Lamar Jackson, because how packed that AFC is with QBs, there's going to be competitors for the Josh Allen crown, I think, this year. Herbert, to me, is one of those guys. And we're just going to just finally understand, like, what a supernova this guy is. The other bold one, because that I've said it before, it didn't feel like bold. It, it feels like everybody acknowledges he's special. It's just a matter of what heights can he hit this year is the question. And we're going to see those heights this year. Yeah. 
The one I'll actually step out on, and I feel like I was right on this player all along last season, but last season, finally, Derek Carr showed me something. I was like, all right, I get it. There's a quarterback that is kind of in the meme zone that everyone just makes fun of. You do it. I do it. Your friends in your group chats do it. Do you know Smith? <laughs> no, it's Kirk Cousins. Ah. I think Kirk Cousins is finally going to have the year. For all, like, all the reasons like he got the guaranteed contract and for all the people that like, like Kirk Cousins, I think this is the year he shows, he rewards those people with, with that faith. So and the, he has a good year. Okay, is that going to be the O'Connell effect, though? Because it yeah, feels like there's so sure. much, so many good vibes around the Vikings this year. And we all acknowledge that the Packers are going to run that division just based on the fact that the Packers are the Packers. But the wild card spot and how dangerous can a wild card team be we know what Justin Jefferson is. Dalvin Cook, as long as he stays healthy. Adam Thielen as a secondary receiver is going to be good. Irv Smith Jr., do they do they use him in a different way, and does he look that much more dynamic? Who cares why it comes up? And I think a lot of it will be Kevin O'Connell, and you'll probably get a lot of the credit. But I think this is a year Kirk Cousins is legitimately good, like Derek Carr was last year. I had a lot right. of skeptic skepticism over Derek Carr in general. And then last year I kind of thought, all right, I get it. I think Kirk Cousins is going to have the I get it year for me. All right. So we're going to like it. Yeah. He's going to yell it. We're, we're actually going to like it. And all of Minnesota it. is going to say, yes. We're actually going to like it. All right. We got some coming in. 650-650 on the Dunbar Lumber text line. Chargers defense will outshine the offense and win division. For it. So Khalil Mack, Duran James, JC Jackson is now there as well. You've got some really, really good players. Outshines the offense. Got some weapons on the offense, too. Well, my thing with that is their offense isn't explosive yet. I wanted one more speed element, and so maybe I'm jumping the gun on the Justin Herbert stuff. But if they, if they went out and got, like, a Brandon Cooks, I thought that would have been a perfect fit. If they drafted Jamison Williams or something like that, you have to wait down. Yeah, yeah. But if, if they got that one more speed element, I'd really be into this team. Mike Williams provides that to a certain extent. He stretches the field. He's yeah, he's more of a downfield guy, yeah. but not a pure burn. He's not a Ted Ginn Jr. from a blast from the past. He, he's so more to like speak. the actually another Chargers receiver yeah. from back in the day, like a Vincent Jackson. Yeah. Who's like, you know, tall, can stretch the field and is a threat, an absolute threat, don't get me wrong. But it, it just doesn't look the same as like a Deshaun Jackson. Okay, on that note though, is there an opportunity for a huge season for Joshua Palmer this year? Hey man, CanCon, I'm here for it. Guy from Brampton, Ontario, mm-hmm. young wide receiver, and maybe doesn't profile as a old school, you know, straight up burner, but at the same time, can he provide that to a certain degree? I think, you know, there are some people that were kind of high on him and some people are expecting him to have a big year. Another another Canadian player in the NFL that could feature pretty prominently for that team. I'm big on Joshua Palmer. Uh, it's tougher to get him in some drafts based on league size in your fantasy leagues, but I am big on Josh Palmer as All right. well. We got Tanbeer coming in with a sarcastic bold prediction. Tua will throw a pass over 10 yards this season. <laughs> he better. I, I think They can't all be screens to Tyreek Hill. I, I think Tua last year, his deep passing was actually good. It was better. Come on now. It was. You know what the biggest like issue the with numbers, I, Like the numbers, like the accuracy on it was actually supposed to be kind of oh, good. Oh, no! We suck again! I, Are I, we talking about the Jets now? I, I legit want... Tua to be good. Like, I like Tua. So do I. I'm just skeptical. I just, you know, it's been two years. I'm just like, I don't know if we've seen enough. No, and part of this is also confidence. Behind center in Mm -hmm. actual games, he he hasn't looked that sharp. Does that change this year? According to Teron Armstead, you know, he's been talking to Drew Brees in the offseason. 
similar profiles, undersized quarterbacks. I don't know. Maybe maybe the confidence, maybe just that added, all right, you got one more go at this. Maybe it turns him into a quarterback. But that's going to be the big question. It's him and Trey Lance for me. As the two young quarterbacks, can they take that turn? Can they can they lead their teams? Those are the two guys I'm looking out for. We got another text here coming in, unsigned. Bucks win the Super Bowl, and Brady actually retires on the field after accepting the MVP See award. This story today, Ian Rappaport tweeting out the story. Speaking of retirements and guys you can consider greatest of all time in their positions, Aaron Donald literally sent in the retirement letter to the Rams. They awaited a day and they took it back, but it it was really real there for Aaron Donald uh, and hanging him up in LA. Just that final step he didn't take. <sighs> so it's getting close. So at least one more year. Watch him while you can. Starting tonight. Enticing, enticing. Uh, six fifty, six fifty. Jeff and East Hill. How many weeks will Geno play? Actually, play in Seattle before he's benched for a new quarterback. What's the over under on that? On Geno starts? On Geno starts. Before think, he's benched, though. Like, how many weeks of... I think higher than you think. How many consecutive weeks will he get before it, they pull the plug? What's that number? Is it three and a half? I'd be more... I, I'd lower it if, like, Drew Locke was a prospect. But he's not. Like, we know exactly what Drew Locke is. And he's not very good. So you're taking... I, I'd say, I, I think, like, Geno's your guy. I, if I If I had to do... Over under total starts for Gino. I'm probably setting it at like 13 and a half. Oof. Unless there's an injury. When it comes to the Seahawks, I love chaos, so I'm gonna go under on that. Because <laughs> that to me is a boring season. You want chaos. You want them going back and forth. You want Pete Carroll sure. not being able to commit to one guy because they both suck. I'm gonna go under on that. Big uh, time under. I wish Drew Locke showed literally anything in preseason. Aside from Drew Locke tape all over again. It it never felt like he was uh going to be starting. All right, we got this one from Ali texting in 650-650. Mitch Trubisky takes the Steelers to the playoffs. Their defense is even better than last year, and any QB is an upgrade from that washed-up Big Ben they kept rolling out. Woo! Scorching. Might not be wrong. Might not be wrong. Mike Tomlin just wins ball games, man. That's what he does. They got some issues on that roster. That mm-hmm. old line's not great. It wasn't last year. They, it's going to take a long-term build. Uh, some love for Brees Hall coming in. Some love for uh, Tua coming in. Some love for Saquon Barkley as well uh, coming in. They'll all stay healthy this year. Uh, keep texting your bold predictions. Uh, we'll do it with uh, Adnan Verk on the other side. Uh, before we go, though, let's do uh, wrong answers only. What is the best thing about the NFL season? Wrong answers only. 650, 650. All right, wrong answers only. What is the best thing about the NFL season? I don't speak from experience because I'm single, but for a few months, you can consciously uncouple with your spouse. (laughs) Sundays are real? Sundays are your day now? You're just like, hey, leave me alone on Sundays, no matter what. This is just who I am, and uh, I'm single on Sundays. For me, it's, it's, it's a right answer, but only because it feels wrong. The amount of food you get to eat on NFL Sundays. Like, that's a right answer. But there are some Sunday evenings where it's like, I wish I didn't do this. This was a wrong idea. I shouldn't have done this. It feels like that's very often. When you're just sitting around, kind of like, on the couch. like like From morning to to dinner, right? Sundays I go out of my way. I I go out of my way to just really gorge out every Sunday. And I, does that mean I take extra care on Saturday and Monday and to, like, prepare for it? Or... 
Probably burn not. it off? No, not at all. <laughs> but Sundays, wrong answers only. Best thing about NFL season, how much you get to eat. I got this one from Rocket and Langley. Wrong answers only. Just love the video reviews and waiting around for five minutes for a decision. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this one, wrong answers only. How much I love hearing about everyone's fantasy picks. Soapy. I'm trying to be better about like caring about other people's fantasy leagues. Like actually willing to listen to their conundrums? Yeah. Well, you're like, you're kind of the fantasy guru, so you gotta. If yeah. you don't do it, nobody else will. Yeah. But like, I, I'm more mean friends. Like when when listeners DM me or something like that, I try to remember league settings and all that sort of stuff. But like friends, yeah, like we all like, no, hey, what are you doing in your fantasy league? It's like, oh, I love my leagues. I could care less about yeah. yours. Uh, six fifty, six fifty. Wrong answers only. Best part of this NFL season is watching all the locals pick a new team to follow. Yes. <laughs> That's actually a right answer. That's a right answer. Which team flag will we raise at Vancouver City Hall? Bandwagoners. If it's the Dolphins, are you going to change your tune on that? No, that's still weak. Have some civic pride. Okay. Have some civic pride. Uh, Colin and Coquitlam, best thing about NFL season is when hockey season starts. Hey, pretty soon. Pretty soon. Uh, Tanbeer coming in with this one. Wrong answers only. Waking up early after a boozy night out on Saturday. You can. I mean, that's the wrong answer. Cook yourself a greasy yeah. breakfast, and you're good to go for all of Sunday. Uh, all right, back in a minute. Keep sending your wrong answers. Only we'll get into them on the other side. Uh, Adnan Verk will join us. MLB NHL Network. I'll get into them about the rule changes that are coming to Major League Baseball. The Blue Jays as well. A couple of big W's, making their run. Get hot at the right time. We'll get into it with Ed and Verk. Also, uh, on the other side, we'll have a conversation. Uh, we didn't really get into the Tim Stutzla uh, contract extension. want to get into it because the, the Sens obviously made a big splashes this offseason, but they're also kind of building down the road as well. We want to kind of do this thing of if you had to place a bet on a 2025 Stanley Cup winner three years from now, who are you picking? And are, are the Senators on that list? And where do the Canucks stack up? We'll do that on the other side. Home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. This is The People's Show with Big Nazar and Randy Janda. Welcome back to the People Show. Bick Nazar and Randy Janda. Dominic Schramati running the show as always. Keep coming in with your thoughts. 650 650 into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Bold predictions streaming in. Wrong answers only. Also, looking ahead to 2025. Get into it all throughout the course of the show. We're looking ahead three years. Ahead of our time, really, mm-hmm. here at the people. I show. didn't want to have the conversation of like, well, Tim Stutz aside, and what does that mean for Elias No, Patterson? we've talked about we've, that. We've talked that one to death. We've talked about Nora that Sine, after the Cage Thompson deal. Cage Thompson. It's easy content if you want it, but we here at the People Show try to aim for more elevated conversations. Unless it's a JT Miller trade. Slightly discussion. higher. Slightly higher. Unless uh, it's JT related. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's talk to Adnan Verk from MLB 
NHL Network. Lots going on in the world of sports. Uh, NFL kickoff today. We'll get into that as well. Uh, maybe some U.S. Open tennis with that, Nan. You, you were just there nonstop. Thank Randy. Before we get into the fun stuff, I do have to tell this joke. I think I've said this before, but I just saw the tweet. It said, coming up, we're talking baseball with one of our favorites, Adnan Burke. Oh, yeah, yeah. And every time I see this, I know I've told this joke before, but <laughs> it makes you think of the Elizabeth Taylor, Richard Burton conversation in which they're sitting next to each other. For those who aren't aware, to the great actors of all time, very tempestuous, volatile power couple. And Liz Taylor there is fawning. What's it like working with Richard Burton? She goes, oh, my goodness. You know, not only is he my soulmate, he's my compatriot. He's one of the greatest actors of all time. I can't think of good things about him. And Richard Burton raises a giant eyebrow and says, what of? <laughs> the greatest retort ever. I'll, I'll, one of our favorites. One of? I'll, I'll tell you this, Ed, Dan. I don't know if you felt like you've made a big impact in the broadcasting world or anything like that. Maybe you do. Uh, I believe since the last time you've been on and I did that to you, I don't think I've done it again since. So that's the impact you've made, at least on me. I was like, you know what? He's right. Why do we say that? It's so it's such an easy like throwaway line, but there's no reason yeah. we should say that. You know another one that is really a gigantic pet peeve? If we can get rid of this one, this would be enormous. This would change Western civilization. The amount of times play-by-play broadcasters say, what a, and then follow an exclamation, meaning what a scene here at Arthur Ashe. What a performance by Vladimir Guerrero Jr., what a day for Aaron Judge. It's lazy. Use adjectives. Wonderful atmosphere here at Arthur Ashe. Another superb performance by Aaron Judge. An incredible display by Vladimir Gurdjieff. This what a business? Try it. Okay, let's count it tonight. I swear to God. If somebody counts it tonight, how many times they're going to say, what a performance by Josh Allen. What a statement by Sean McVay. It's out of control. I can't stand it. Okay, next time I'm I mean, crafting a tweet, I'm going to make sure I don't use that. Uh, you're listening to the People Show. This is a, an on-air broadcast school from uh, Adnan Verker. Yeah. He's, he's teaching the next generation. <laughs> uh, you know, I just watched Broadcast News, which predates both of you guys. It came out in 1987. But it's one of the best movies ever about television. It was written and directed by James L. Brooks. It stars Holly Hunter and the late William Hurt and the incredibly funny Albert Brooks, who you guys know was amazing in the latest season of Kirby Enthusiasm. At one point, I won't go in the whole movie because I reviewed it this week on Cinephile. Brooks plays a reporter, not the most telegenic. Billy Hurt, obviously, very handsome guy. He's the, you know, the anchor. He's giving Albert Brooks some broadcasting tips. It's one of the best broadcasting tips ever. He says, when you're broadcasting, you know, you got to sell it. He goes, if you feel yourself reading, stop yourself. You're narrating. You're telling a story. If ever you feel like you're just reading, stop yourself. Make sure you sell it. I tell people that every day. It's the best broadcasting advice I can get. Make sure you sell it. We're salesmen at the end of the day, boys. For sure. Uh, talking to Adnan Verg, MLB, NHL Network, and the Cinephile Pod as well. I can't remember if we were talking to you or, or someone else. So we were talking about the Jay season, and we were looking ahead to the, the Orioles series. It was this one. They got another one coming up, and they wrap up the season with them. And the sentiment was, hey, the last thing you want to do is go into the last weekend maybe with a two-game lead, and, and it really matters. So they play the series here. They go three or four against the Orioles. Are they out of the woods now? Is it okay? They're in the playoffs now. It felt like a real statement, Bick. I mean, especially that Monday. Like, I thought that doubleheader, you go into that, you go, oh, my goodness. Like, you can feel a little buzz there around Baltimore, and they weren't expecting this. Their 110 loss team a year ago, and the Blue Jays just stomped them. Like, the fact – it wasn't massive wins. I don't mean, I'm just saying when you can win, when you can sweep a doubleheader on the road mm-hmm. and everyone knows what's at stake, you're two and a half games in the wall card spot. When you see that four and a half, it feels like 40. 
Because at that point, you go, we're playing with house money. No problem. We lose the next two games. We got a split on the road. Even better, we took three or four. We just added a game. You know, there's only weeks left now in the regular season. To make up that kind of a deficit, the earliest, easiest way for Baltimore is to win head-to-head. Now you have to hope for something to happen. So I, I'm with you. I, I don't think Baltimore can now mount a charge. Um, you know, maybe they'll hang around. Maybe maybe, maybe it becomes a two-and-a-half game thing again. Maybe, maybe it is a one game on the outside looking in. But I just think Toronto's playing so much better baseball lately. It's not coincidental on the new manager and John Snyder. They're pitching a lot better. And how about Bo Bichette? I've been yeah. critical of him all season long. He was terrific. He was really stepped up against the Orioles. And our friend and colleague, Ben Ennis, does a great job in Toronto. He tweeted, he says, it's not too late for Bo Bichette to still redeem his season. And it's true. You can go on fire in the final month and be able to go, wow, Bo Bichette, that guy's a stud. That's why he's one of the best players in this team. He's capable of that. He's just been underwhelming for much of the season. But he put the team on his back. I thought he looked great, and that was a great sign for the Jays. If you can get bow rolling like that, forget about it. Yeah, that standard is going to be difficult to replicate. You know, he was, what, hit four home runs and six at-bats. That's not going to happen all the time. But if you can rely on him consistently, does this make, the, you know, the Blue Jays a serious contender based on the fact that it's that bow that we kind of know and a lot of people love. He brings that flair to the game, but he brings a big bat. Does that make him a, a legit contender if they can get that consistency out of him? I think so, honestly, Randy, because – you know, every Batman needs a Robin. It can't just be Vladdy Jr. doing it by himself. And he hasn't been, you know, MVP Vlad of a season ago, but he's still awfully good. And the fact they've got eight players on this team with 100 or more hits, like, that's the thing. It's not just a bunch of sluggers. They're actually very egalitarian in their approach and that there's lots of different hitters. Now, what that means is these guys are streaky. There's a few games there. Lourdes Gurriel looks great. All of a sudden, he's quiet. Same thing for Teoscar Hernandez. Uh, you know, George Springer can be a real catalyst for this team, but he can get hurt. But if, if you can say to yourself, hey, no matter what, there's three guys that are going to post. If I can get Springer in there and Vlad and both, and also I feel really good about my chances because then after that, hey, Alejandro Kirk has finally bounced back after having a quiet second half. And you don't have to rely on him to be a star. Like, he's been great for them. Obviously, he's an all-star catcher, but I don't think you look at a line thinking, all right, we have to game plan against Alejandro Kirk. For the Jays to be successful, they have to hope opposing pitchers and opposing teams say, all right, how do we shut down Vlad Jr. and Bo and work from there? Um, so I think that, yes, I, I think if Bichette can go back to being what he is, he's going to help everything. He's going to help himself in getting a big long-term contract from the Jays. He'll help the Jays in the immediate future. We all know the Wolves right now, the Yankees, Randy, your guys. So I, right now in the American League, the only team you really feel great about is the Houston Astros. Now, Cortez comes back tonight for the Yankees' first start since August 21st. You know, Judge is still out of his mind, but they need other players on offense to step up. The Guardians, again, they're, they're going to be the winners of what is a – Poor division. And now the Twins are only a couple back. The White Sox are only two games back. Who knows? Um, but I think ultimately it's a Houston absolute legit contender. After that, hey, if Bo gets hot, why not the Blue Jays? We, we've talked about Aaron Judge uh, a few times when we've talked to you, just, you know, the contract and turning that down. What's he going to make? An MVP. I, I'm having a little struggle trying to contextualize his season when it comes to history and, you know, McGuire and Sosa and Maris and Bonds. We've gotten texts to the last you know, two weeks, people, you know, just rebringing up the bond stuff and what Judge is doing is better and worse, but you don't want to take away. It's like those guys did hit 70 win or home runs, but, you know, uh, under what conditions? I, I'm just curious, like, your thoughts of, like, what this March to 61 means, either for Yankees and also just in general for baseball. I don't think it's getting enough pub, and there's a few reasons for that, one of which is just the world in which we live, right? There's so many different interests now. There's a hundred different things streaming. Football's back tonight. Obviously, you guys know I've been enraptured by U.S. Open tennis. Yeah. I mean, 
people have different interests. And the Yankees, by the way, as a team, they went from this inevitable march towards destiny and history to now, oh, my God, what's going to happen? Yeah. Are going to catch them? But I think as we get closer, you're going to see more of a focus. He's at 55 right now. Okay, The only Yankees, more home runs in a single season, Maris, of course, 61, and Babe Ruth, who had 60 in 1927 and 59 in 1921. He needs six homers in the final 25 games. For context, he's entering game 138 tonight. Maris didn't hit number 56 until game 143. So he's five games ahead of the pace. He's already passed Mark Teixeira, most home runs at the current Yankee Stadium of 114. And particularly lately, like all this Yankees team, he does great against the Twins. Like he just murders the Twins. Ten home runs, 26 RBI, 30 career games against the Twins, five home runs the last eight games against them. And what I think, part of the reason why I think it's being underappreciated is that, as you mentioned, Sosa McGuire, and by the way, today is what? The anniversary of McGuire passing Roger Maris's record. He hit number 62, September 8th, 1998. I'll never forget where I was when I saw it. Joe Buck with the call. It was his shortest home run of the season. Uh, had that awkward move at first, right? Missed the bag. Later on, Joe Buck said, give me a hug, you big lug. He, was, he got torched by everybody, even though he's a Cardinals guy, so I understood why he said it. Sosa was in right field. He did the awkward kiss and dance. And, of course, all of it's then marred by the missed report, the Royds, and all the rest of it. But it was a touchstone moment in history on this day. But I think part of what has diminished that, beyond the obvious steroids, is everyone's hitting home runs. Whereas Judge is 55, the next highest guy is Otani with 33 in the American League. Yeah. Goldschmidt's on the verge of a potential triple crown. He's one back of Schwarber with 35. So honestly, Vic, if a bunch of guys are in the 40s and 50s, like, okay, I get it. But I'm like, this is the only guy doing this. He's, he's, it's like DiMaggio, 56, the closest ever was Rose at 44. That's 80% of the record. Similarly, if he gets to 62, 63, the next closest guy is only going to be like, 60 or 70 percent like maybe maybe Schwarber Goldschmidt get to 40 like to me that's incredible what Judge is doing considering how few power hitters of his ilk exist today well your former colleague A-Rod tweeted out yesterday that he could be the first 50 million per year player and that this whole six months maybe cost the Yankees 150 million dollars if they would have locked him in earlier they wouldn't have to go down this road do you agree do you think he could be that Making that much over, uh, I guess, uh, depending on how long the contract is, $50 million per year. No. Laughable statement. I'll just outright say that's categorically false. There's no way that's going to happen. Trout right now is making the most per year at 36.4. I believe Garrett Cole is right there as well. All along, Aaron Judge said, I want to make as much as those guys do, average annual value, AAV. As we've talked about with Juan Soto, how can he turn down all that money? Because his AAV, the average annual value, was only 14th. It was a little over $30 million a year. So eventually, A.J. Prell and the Prodgers are going to sign Soto to a deal where he gets 36 37 a year, et cetera. For A-Rod to say that Judge is going to go from, by the way, the offer was 30.9 per year. It was $213 million over seven years, if I'm not mistaken. He thinks all of a sudden the Yankees are going to feel like, that's insane. There's no way that's going to happen. Even $40 million would be a reach. I suppose you could talk yourself into it, but I'll trust the two guys who are very smart, who cover the Yankees on a day-to-day basis, my colleagues and friends, John Heyman and Joel Sherman of the New York Post. Heyman has said eight years, 288. Easy math to figure out. That's $36 million per year. He's turning 30 this season. They're paying him until he's 38 years old. Like, that's a considerable sum the Yankees will do, but it makes sense. 36 times eight, 288. Joel Sherman, friend and colleague, New York Post, MLB Network, he's going $304 million. So a little bit more money, I think Joel might have it at eight or maybe even nine years. But he's basically saying, yeah, by one year, by betting on himself, 
Judge turned down 213. Heyman's going 288. That's $75 million he's made himself in one year. Even by Joel's estimate, it's $90 million he's making. A-Rod to then go to five. Like, what is he, insane? There's no way that's happening. I, I'll say something ludicrous just to prove I, Like, I'll throw myself off the George Washington Bridge if he gets $500 million. We don't want that guy, then. Come on. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. That's crazy. All right, keeping in New York, Jacob deGrom, another outing yesterday, seven innings, eight Ks, three hits. Is he the most automatic pitcher out there, the most unhittable in the game? I think so. I mean, the only thing that gives you pause is the fact he hasn't pitched enough recently. And you go, well, I don't know how much he pitched. And you go, yeah, but who cares? When he pitches, the guy's automatic. I mean, that start he had last year, I remember telling myself, i got to get to City Field. He might eclipse Bob Gibson's record, which to me is unbreakable. The 1-1-2 ERA set back in 1968, year of the pitcher, which was so famous, they literally lowered the bound. Like, that's incredible. And DeGrom is going to do this. in ERA hovering around one had a couple of rocky-ish starts, then got hurt. We all know didn't pitch again. Now, this year he comes back. We're waiting. We're wait, like, waiting for Godot. Everybody here in the New York area, when is DeGrom going to come back? He can't possibly match expectations. And then he has surpassed them. Like, it's absurd to me just how good he's been, um, especially with those expectations around him. What I was looking at yesterday, his strikeout-to-walk ratio. He's walked three guys, and he struck out 55. Like, <laughs> it's just video game numbers to do that kind of ability. And – He's 5-1 and one with a 1.66 ERA. I mean, the only guy even within shouting distance, Verlander was having numbers like that. Although, unfortunately, now he's hurt. And Dylan Cease, by the way, might steal a Cy Young away from him because he's going to pitch a little more. Max Scherzer was looking great until he got hurt. So I get it. If there's one qualification over a player, it has to be durability. And DeGrom was injured for over a year. So no doubt, you can't say he's the best pitcher in baseball. But it, but your question was correct, Randy, which is he's the most automatic guy. Like if he's pitching, is it game over? It certainly feels that way for me. If DeGrom's on the mound, he's the guy I would have the most confidence in right now as a team. You know, we complain a lot with Major League Baseball that, okay, there's no parity and there's certain teams by May. Like, it, it's over, basically, for certain teams. And, you know, it feels like there's eight teams that have a chance. And now that we get to this stage of the year, Adnan, the complaints kind of fall by the wayside and we're looking at the playoffs. Like, I'm excited for a Mets-Dodgers series if that comes about. I'm excited for you, what you mentioned, like Astros-Yankees or Jays. And it feels like the seven teams that are actually trying are all going to meet and it's going to be crazy because they're loaded teams. And I don't know if the Mets are the best, but I know when DeGrom's on or Scherzer's on, that's the best team in baseball. And that's, like, what's exciting is playoffs are going to be chaos to me. Yeah, it's funny how much... The game shifted in 2014, 2015 with the Royals using bullpens. And you go, okay, this is the new way to go. Five and dive, right, starting pitchers. And yet, what happens as a fan when you start looking at matchups in October and down the stretch? You look at the starting pitchers. And the first things you say is, oh, my God, how are you going to beat the Mets? And it's DeGrom and Scherzer in games one and two of a playoff series. Mm-hmm. And that's where I say to myself, like you said, Dodgers, Mets. I'm like, hey, man, I know Tony Gonson's been great. I don't know if he's coming back, by the way. Okay, no problem. Tyler Anderson's been really good. All right, I, I got that. Cool, he's been really good. Julio Arias might win the ERA title. All right. Hey, Kershaw's Clayton Kershaw. Not that durable, probably only five innings, but yeah, he's still really good. But if I tell myself, Scherzer to Grom versus those guys, I'm like, I don't care that all three of those guys have ERAs around two and a half. I want to see the stars and the horses deliver. And I think that's where you can really sell the game is once again those starting pitchers in those matchups. Similarly speaking, if we say Yankees-Astros, you go, how much fun is that going to be? Verlander versus Cole, right? Former teammates dueling against each other. And I think ultimately when you look at the best matchups in the sport, obviously the position players come out. 
But as old school baseball fans as we all are, you look at those matches first and foremost, and that's what really sells it for you. And for the Mets right now, it's been a remarkable story. They've been in first place since April 12th, and finally the Braves catch them. Like just incredible endurance by the Braves. The Mets have basically played 650 baseball since mid-April. The Braves have played 714 baseball. Like it's crazy what a good run they've been on. And for the Mets, Imagine if Atlanta catches them for the division. The Mets become a wild-card team. The road becomes that much more tougher. But I'm with you. I, I think when you get to this point, you go, all right, contenders versus pretenders. We've long stopped paying attention to the Pirates and the Nationals and the Tigers and the Royals. Let's just focus on the good teams. That's where baseball is at its best because its key teams really are special and fun to watch. You're listening to The People Show. We're joined by Adnan Verka as we are every week of MLB Network and NHL Network. And uh, tomorrow... MLB will be voting, the uh, competition committee will be voting on some rule changes, include the pitch clock, larger bases, and shift restrictions. What do you think about, especially about speeding up the game and the shift restrictions angle of this? Because it is a pretty big change from what we've seen in the last few years in Major League Baseball. I think mine and most people's prayers are being answered. I think they got to vote to ratify these things and get them going. I mean, Major League Baseball is filled with plenty of smart people, and they've done plenty of research on this. And you ask anybody, what's the number one thing you change about baseball? Make it quicker. It's 2022 now, right? Everyone's on their phone. Everyone's on the laptops. Everyone's doing other things. Let's pick up the pace, people, because it is still a great game. It just needs to move at a, at a better pace. And you need to kind of trim the fat. There's too much dead time in between pitches. Tom Verducci, my friend and colleague, has done great articles on Sports Illustrated about the time in between pitches. It's like, for certain pitchers, it's like 28 seconds. I'm like, that's insane. What are you doing for 28 seconds? Let's go. So these rule changes, a 15-second pitch clock proposed with the bases empty, 20 seconds with runners on, that's great. Like that, that is going to work. Our requirement by hitters to be in the batter's box and alert with eight seconds to go, like, great. They got one timeout per plate appearance. I love that. Because you're going to hear players go, oh, hang on, I wasn't ready. Eye black was in my face. You got one of those timeouts. No problem. You want a second? Go ahead. Take a little breather. No problem at all. But that's it. Two disengagements from the rubber per plate appearance. I love that, right? So the pitcher needs a little second. No problem, buddy. We'll give you a chance. But enough with this just staring off in the distance. There's a reason why I always love Mark Burley, former Blue Jay great. Give me the ball and let's go. Was not messing around. And there's a reason why I can't stand Steve Traxel. Beyond the fact he gave up the McGuire 62 home run, that guy was the human rain delay. Like, just get the ball and go. I've coached enough Little League to last a lifetime. What kills you? Guys, don't throw the ball. Like, let's go. So I think the changes are actually going to be universally well-received. I would be surprised if the competition committee does not like these ideas. The pitch clock specifically, bigger bases, which helps. And the big one that you mentioned, obviously, is the elimination of the shift. And I never used to be in favor of eliminating it because I said, why would you eliminate intelligence? This was an idea born out of intelligence. People are generally hitting the ball a certain way, position your infielders and outfielders thusly. I'm like, that's smart. I like smart things in life. But the more I watched it, I said, okay, just because it's smart doesn't mean it's good. And Theo Epstein has said that himself. He goes, yep, I was one of those guys, analytics really pushing this. But I'll be honest, now stepping away from baseball and just watching the game, it's not as aesthetically pleasing. I worked with Mark Teixeira for years at ESPN, and texted tell me how much he hated the shift. He said it killed him. Just robbed baseball of the enjoyment for him because of the fact he was such a dead pull hitter. And this argument of, well, hey, hit it the other way. Just bunt. What's the big deal? Well, why should you? Like in basketball, they got rid of illegal defense. We all grew up playing baseball without a shift. So just get rid of the shift. And I never used to be a proponent of it. I am now. I hope all the changes get ratified and they're all good for baseball. Hey, really, really quickly, uh, we got to go to break, but uh, you got one bold prediction for the NFL season? 
Uh, I, 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 well, I'll say Eagles win the division. The only thing is that. Let's go. I'm with you on it. Okay. Eagles win the NFC East because it's going to be Eagles and Cowboys. It's probably Dallas here by a bit, but I'll get gutsy and say Eagles 12 and 5, they win the division. Okay. Before we let you go, I wanted to share this text that we got a little bit earlier during the interview. Donkey texting in. Wow. What an interview with Adnan Verk. Really? Yeah, well, Kill, Kill. Remember you say you don't wow. You don't like wow what? Remember the the, the way we started oh, off yeah, here? Right, right. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm not crazy about that. You're right. Uh, you know what? If, if it's an exclamation, I'm not as bad with it because it's like a touchdown. Like wow, what a pass by! No, actually, I still don't like it. As I said, I still hate it. You're right. It's bad. Well, thanks for answering <laughs> the phone, pal. As always. All right, boys. As always. <laughs> Keep those texts coming. What a job. Cheers. Uh, that is our guy Adnan Verk. One of our favorites. One of our favorites. One of our favorites. Uh, we have many favorites. Uh, <laughs> uh, he does great work. Uh, NHL, MLB Network, and the Cinephile Pod at Adnan S. Verk. All right, we got to run to break. On the other side, Nick Shook, NFL.com, will join us. So we get set Bills and Rams today, and there will be a Big Six pick on this game. That's coming up in the next hour. Home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650.